Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Orange and Blue Thing. That's Darren Meenan to my right. What up? I'm Brian Ernie. Thanks for joining us tonight on a very snowy evening here on Long Island. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's something else. If you were not? watching us on Periscope prior to going live just now on Facebook, mm-hmm. Brian actually had to dig his way into the into warehouse. Into the building, yes, <laughs> yes. I had to dig my way into the building. I can't imagine that anyone else in the broadcasting industry is digging their Digging way themselves in, into work. Into their job. Yeah, like 1.15 I got here, and I've been tinkering around on some things for the show for the, for tonight. Special guest Mickey Calloway, thanks for joining us in a little bit. But I didn't realize that what I dug out to get into the building yeah. just came right back from the snowdrift. So thankfully you brought a shovel. I t- Otherwise, if you actually, if you backed out, I was sleeping here. Yes. I was looking around. I was like, what can I use as a blanket? I may have had to like lay underneath this rug. I was trying to come up with the options, but thankfully you showed up. And then there are snowdrifts. The way this is set up, the way the warehouse is set up, there is a uh, parking lot that's right what like, like parallel to ours oh yeah yeah at a building next door so that's where i'm parked because that's plowed out and then i try so i didn't want to walk all the way around so i tried to hop the fence it's a pretty high fence dude. it's it yeah it's a pretty high fence <laughs> I, I definitely have some injuries but uh I, I was gonna get over it but i'm in snow boots and everything like that and you know it's it's it wasn't my finest moment it was not but dude thank you for showing up yes and course. uh if you are here how could the- i miss this <laughs> well i was hoping because this morning i got a little nervous because i just said i was nervous i was texting and i was getting like the one word replies and i was waiting for the one to be like uh do you think we should push this and like nah. luckily you didn't say that nah. but uh listen if Too mickey's important. down we're down we're not pushing this for anything yep. so uh we are gonna get to that in a little bit if you have any questions Questions for Mickey. We are going to be scouring the comments here. We hope to get to at least one or two of the Facebook comments. Leave your question for Mickey. We'll try to get to it when we get him on here. Um, what else this week? Winter Classic. You watch it at all? I know you're an Islander fan. I watched a little bit of it. It was the lowest rated Winter Classic. I ever. saw that. What, um, what was that? What was that emoji you put up with the frog? What does that mean? <laughs> but that's none of my business. The, uh, the, that's the what Kerm- it means. The Kermit meme. You uh-huh. know, the, oh yeah, I saw that. I wasn't sure exactly what so, it meant. So yeah, I mean, look, you you know, I was pretty vocal on it last year that I thought it was a bad matchup. A lot of people said it. Well, more Sabres fans watch it than Rangers fans when they broke down the demo. I still think uh, I think the Islanders are going to get their Winter Classic in the. Uh, at some They've point. never had one. No, you know, and actually, I don't. I think only I did a count on it in my Twitter. I don't remember exactly what the right number was, but I think. Uh, we had a – I'm trying to remember exactly how many teams. I think only like 11 teams have played in the 10 Classics. So that's and the range, what are they, like three or four times already? The Rangers have been in three times, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, But I think, you know what would be cool, Winter Classic? Um, at Belmont Park, you know, obviously they're getting a new arena at Belmont, mm-hmm. but at the racetrack. Put the rink in the middle of the racetrack. You're so far from it, though. I don't, I, well, you're far, you're far at City Field, man. From our I mean, seats, like Charlie, shout out to Chaz. I, yes. I know he texted you after the game. Yeah, awesome. Um, awesome story. I saw like the text, I mean, the, the tweet you put out, but mm. those seats, like where we sit in Big Alp Reserve, I don't think you can really see the game from that, there. Well, I, when they did a stadium series game in uh, Yankee Stadium, uh, Islanders-Rangers in 2014, I went and I sat in the bleachers. Uh-huh. You can't see anything. I went yeah. to the New Era Bowl at, at Yankee Stadium. That's different. Yeah, Obviously, that uh, bowl, football's yeah. a lot bigger, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, the, you know what? If you were a diehard fan, I wrote about this on the blog. I feel like if you were a big Islanders fan, even if you didn't have the best seats and it was freezing out New Year's Day, whatever, you'd still want to be there of course, as an yeah. Islanders fan. Yeah. So the place was, was, was rocking. I mean, I know on paper the Bruins uh, were, were, the, home team, were yeah. the home team, but because it was still heavily yeah, of Rangers. Course. Like Rangers got the Mets locker room, Rangers music. Goal and song. Goal yeah, song, exactly. You know? uh, it's because Madison Square Garden doesn't pay any tax. I know, but if you were a Sabres fan, I'd feel slighted on that a little bit. If I'm a Sabres fan, I'm just happy that my team got national exposure. True, true. But uh, but yeah, so that was our that was our New Year's, and New Year's was quiet for me, and you know, it's still in that phase of like, 
Oh, it's New Year's Eve. We went bowling. I saw. I saw. Bowling's fun. Little tradition we started last year. Yes, I remember. uh, If you are watching religiously, thank you. Thursday nights is our normal spot. Next week we're going to be off, so just make note of that. I'm going on a cruise. I'm leaving on Saturday morning. Disney vacation. Disney cruise. Great. Uh, They're fun. They're a lot of fun. Have you been on one? I have. I think it should be good. There's no casino, though. That's okay. I'm a little bummed out. No casino. That's okay. You'll, you'll still be okay. I'll find some activities. Um, we should say we're going to give away some stuff. We're going to get we Mickey to, to, give, to play what's in the box. So we're we, hoping to. We, like, yeah, we think. If we you think. are watching this and you notice that he's not sitting next to us right now, we are going to Skype Mickey in from yeah. uh, City Field. A little bit of a trek, obviously, to get here from Queens. Brian did his best. I did my best. But uh, Mickey's going to join us through Skype shortly. It was cool for, of him just to trek to City Field to get here. I and mean, you know what? We awesome. should tell the fans. This is a really cool story. When I, I reached out to the Mets to say, hey, can yeah. we get Mickey Calloway on? I was expecting, listen, he's too busy, maybe during the season, yada, yada. Uh, they said they'll work on it. And then during the winter meetings, I did a follow-up email. Say, yep. hey, I know you guys are with him right now. Can you find out if he's down? And, mm-hmm. and he said yes. And last week when I was at the Islanders game, I got that email. I said, yes. you know what? He is going to come out to the studio. He shuffled around his schedule so he could fly home tomorrow to be in studio with us tonight. We can't uh, predict the weather. So obviously he's not here but, right now, but he will be here soon through yeah. Skype. So awesome. thank you to Mickey for rearranging his plans just for us. But um, One other free thing we're giving away today is that QBC ticket, that elusive QBC ticket. Yeah, you gave the, the ticket away last week and the yeah. guy that won lives in California. So, so this is what we're going to do. Um, if you want to go to the Queens Baseball Convention, uh, the 2018 Queens Baseball Convention, which is Saturday, January 20th at Catch in Astoria, um, we'll have former Mets on, uh, former Mets and current Mets on hand. Todd Hundley will be there. Um, Brandon Nimmo will be there. Chris Flexen. Um, you can go and get some autographs. Uh, also going to be a lot of fun panels. Ted Berg is going to be hosting um, – the Todd I heard Hundley about panel. that. That's really cool. I'll be hosting the uh, uniform panel, which I still have to put together. I still got to do some work on that. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, a lot of g- a good gathering for Mets fans. If you want to go, if you are in the area and you can make it January 20th, we want this ticket to get used. Tickets are almost sold out. Just comment right now in the comments, QBC, and then I'll go through at the end of the show and pick a uh, free one out. And as we normally do at the end of the show, we give away some free stuff. Just by sharing the show, these came in today. Actually, they came in yesterday. Lizzie failed to let me know they came in yesterday. I would have been very excited to open up that box yesterday. But today um, was the day these finally came in. Brand new 2018 bottle opener, the Settle Army bottle opener. It's got the New York City Mets flag in the bottom that we've been uh, selling on the site. So someone that shares the show right now will get this for free just by sharing the show towards the end of the broadcast. So Very cool. Um, Besides that, I think a little bit more housekeeping before we get Mickey on. Tomorrow at noon, Mets.com slash the Seven Line Army opening day tickets go up for sale. And uh, what you see me wearing right now is what you get with the ticket next year. So last year we did a rally towel, a pin, and um, that was it, right? Rally towel, pin, and yeah. thundersticks. We got rid of the thundersticks and we went back to the shirts. So if you see on the screen here, if you're listening afterwards, go to the SevenLineArmy.com. This isn't exactly a jersey, but it's not a jersey, and it's not a t-shirt, so I'm still calling it a jersey. Um, Usually that's name and number t-shirt. This is the seven-line shirt that's going to be given away this year. So tomorrow, Mets.com slash the seven-line army. If listening to this on a replay, then it's probably sold out. We have 317 tickets left in the section, 129 apiece, small through 4XL, and um, there'll be wise supplies less. So definitely try to... Get in on that while you can. So we are going to get Mickey on the line. 
If you could sit here for a second, they're probably listening. I'm sure. I hope they, <laughs> I hope they uh, see. That. By the way, uh, Tezza fact-checked me. The Rangers have been in two Winter Classics and two Stadium Series. Really? Games. I thought it was four. So thank you, Tezza. Well, four outdoor games total, just okay. two Classics. So thank you for the fact-check, Tez. If you want to leave a comment, question for the man himself, Mickey Callaway, we are getting him on the line here. Uh, leave a comment, and we will try to get to your question before the end of the broadcast. Um, we're working on getting him in now through Skype. While I do that, anything else going on with you? Not much, man. And unfortunately, not much going on with the Mets. Really stagnant free agent market. Um, so obviously, uh, we're they're still working their way through that. Um, yeah, it's it's just insane how slowly the market is moving. Uh, it, uh, can you believe that? How many top free agents are still out there? We talked about that last week. Yeah, with, no traction. Uh, and shout out to Mark. It's uh, we're number one on iTunes right now. Yeah, thanks. Uh, guys, if uh, if you can hear us. You got to click the video button. I don't. I can. I think you're on with us, but you didn't click the video button. So please, do that. Um, yeah. So we're number one on iTunes right now, which is really cool. We don't have much competition right now. Kind of a dead, dead, dead season for the. Uh, here we go for the podcasting industry. But number one's number one. That. All right. Hold on one second. New York knows all about number one. Okay. <laughs> all right, fellas. All right, Mickey. So we're going to give you a little introduction here. Uh, You know, we're very, very excited to have you in October. uh, This man left the Cleveland Indians organization where he'd been since 2010, and he'd been the pitching coach since 2013 to become the 21st skipper in Mets history. Ladies and gentlemen, this man needs no introduction. It's Mickey Calloway. Thanks for coming on, Mickey. We appreciate this. Absolutely. I I really appreciate this. Uh, We were just watching some video of you guys at uh, spring training with all these uh, (laughs) – buckets that you guys consume so <laughs> oh, that was pretty good we'll Our, try we'll try to bring one into the uh yeah. into the dugout for you if you want a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. lot of sugar in there though i know you know you got to watch your fitness but a lot of sugar in there <laughs> we'll be down there though for spring training we won't be there for opening day we'll be there the next day though but uh, uh get, let's get right into it so obviously um you know fans don't know too much about the interview process when it comes to getting a new job like you just did so uh, how do these things get started is it is it maybe your agent reaches out to the Mets and say like hey Mickey's interested did they come to you can you just kind of enlighten us a little bit on that yeah, you know, I, I don't think I can speak uh, totally on, uh, you know, how the Mets prepared for it. But, uh, you know, and, and to my knowledge, most teams will just start checking around. You know, they they see that they might need a, a manager on the horizon and they start uh, making their phone calls and doing their due diligence on uh, what they're looking for, what type of guy. And then they start asking questions to, uh, you know, their network of baseball people throughout uh, this small world of baseball that we have. And, uh, you know, I think they just get recommendations and then they contact the team that uh, that person's currently with and uh, get permission to talk to, to them. Well, let's talk about how the, the process moved along. You talked about in your, in your introductory conference uh, the interview and the really great sit-down you had with ownership. Um, once you had that sit-down, the Mets worked pretty quickly to lock you up. You know, the, the Indians got eliminated, I'm sorry to bring that up, in Game 5 of the ALDS on October 11th, and, and 11 days later the news broke of your hiring. So there were a lot of big jobs available. You know, the Red Sox job was available. Um, the Yankees job would become available. Um, was there any temptation to say, hey, you know, I mean, uh, the Mets are cool, but I don't know, there, there, there could be some big jobs on the horizon and kind of take the experience and wait it out? Or was this kind of love at first sight, this is where I'm meant to manage for the first time? 
Yeah, I think it was the second. Um, definitely after my interview, you know, I left with uh, a great feeling. I was super pumped. You know, I called everybody back home and uh, they could tell how excited I was about the people that just interviewed me. And, uh, you know, I knew right away that if they were going to offer me the job, I was going to take it because, you know, I could tell that we were definitely in line with uh, what we thought was essential in uh, creating a culture of winning. And uh, that really excited me. And, and the people in the room that interviewed me were, were very thoughtful and I uh, really enjoyed the day with them. And then I got to sit down with uh, Fred and, uh, you know, it was, was an amazing experience and uh, I couldn't be happier. So let me ask you, how does, uh, you know, New York maybe complicate things a little bit, especially for a first-time manager? We've heard stories of guys who have maybe been here and have managed a certain way because they know that they can explain it to the media after the game. I imagine something like this is maybe something, you know, maybe you and Terry Francona have discussed in the past uh, since he's not only managed but won it all in a similar media-hungry town. So how does that maybe translate into how you might, might approach it? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Terry and I did talk about that. And I think the way to approach it is to make sure that you're prepared on every decision you make. And uh, if you've done your prep work and, and you're doing everything that you can to prepare to go out there to make those important decisions every night, then you're going to be prepared to explain those decisions after to the media. And, uh, you know, that's what I plan on doing. If I, if I can't explain exactly why I made a move, um, then shame on me. So I'm going to go out there every day prepared to make the moves I'm going to make and and uh, answer for those after the game. Just to clarify, that doesn't mean strictly going by the book. That means, hey, look, I you know this guy might the binder might tell me one thing, but I saw this guy. He you know he's starting to get it together. I can still explain it in a way that you went against the stats or whatever. You could still explain that. That's, That's absolutely right. Okay. We're going to have a process for everything we, we do. And, uh, you know, part of that process is going to be looking at the numbers. Part of the process is going to be using my coach's information, talking to the player. There's going to be 75 different reasons why we make a decision. And we're going to do it, uh, you know, in a way that uh, makes the most sense. So, uh, you know, I should be able to answer the, all those tough questions, uh, especially when the move doesn't work after the game to the, to the media. <laughs> That's the hardest part. Uh, in this town, in this offseason, I don't know if you've listened to any of the media that's been out there, but you and Aaron Boone are, are both seen in like a similar light, a player's manager, a guy who's going to be able to relate to the guys in the clubhouse. And um, it's the shift in baseball to human relations. Um, so, you know, I have to say, there there are critics of this, which I, I, I personally don't understand. I don't understand how I, – I wouldn't want to play for a boss. You know, you wouldn't want to work for a boss that, you, that drove you crazy for seven months or eight months out of the year. Um, but considering the success of these similar types of managers, not, uh, you know, Dave Roberts, A.J. Hinch, um, you know, can you explain to us just like just how bad can it get when players feel like they're not heard? Yeah, no, that can be a, a very big problem. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, times have changed, and, and it's mainly because of the players have changed. You know, Billy Martin 
was an effective player manager sure. back in the day because that's what those players responded to. You could get in their face, tell them what to do. They kind of just did what the coaches asked. Uh, today's player has information at their fingertips. They're going to test everything that you give them. They're going to go look it up after the game. And so you have to make sure that you're prepared going in with whatever it is you're, you're talking to, to these guys about. And you have to care about them. You know, they want somebody that uh, knows they're a person, that knows they're a player as well, and uh, that uh, you understand what a difficult job it is. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have high expectations. We have very high expectations of all these guys, and we're going to hold them accountable for the work that they do. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a good balance of caring about the player holding them accountable and just throw, uh, showing them that you truly care about them. And when you care about someone, that doesn't mean you just let them do whatever they want. That's not caring about them. Right. I mean, when you, you guys probably have kids and, and everybody has kids out there. If you just let your kid do whatever they wanted, that's not caring about them. Right. You know, I'm not going to be a guy that uh, tries to please everybody. I'm going to hold everybody accountable for what they do. I'm going to care about them in a way that uh, makes them better. And they might not realize it at the time, but maybe 10 years down the road, they realize that uh, I was just trying to help them. Darren Meenan and Brian Ernie uh, joined by Mets manager Mickey Calloway. Let's shift the focus to the field a little bit. Um, I want to talk about interaction with uh, pitchers. Um, it's going to change. Uh, you know, Obviously, you're the skipper now. When you were a pitching coach, you could kind of be that good cop to the manager's bad cop. Like, hey, man, I hear you, but, you know, Tito wants to save you for next week. And I, I think you had, you know, one more batter in you, but you got to listen to Skip, you know. Uh, does your communication style change uh, now that you're the guy that's going to the mound to take the ball? I mean, it is different, um, and it's going to be um, a situation where – we have to make sure, and, and this is what Terry Francona does so well, is I never had to be the good cop. Um, we explained what we expected out of every guy beforehand. Okay. And they knew that if we took them out of the game, that it was for a specific reason. Did they always like it? No. But they knew going in uh, the reasons for those things. So we're going to be honest with the guys, and they're going to know – you know, when they get taken out of game, it's for these four or five reasons or 10 reasons. And it's not just, oh, you know what? We want to put so-and-so in because we think he's better. It's never about that. We're about winning the game and making sure that guys are facing the people they're supposed to face. And if we do that, then the players are going to benefit that from that the most, you know, instead of leaving them out there against a couple of lefties that are coming up that uh, they don't match up well against. Let's bring in Blevins to make sure that we shut that door down so we can move on and, and win a game. So let me uh, bring up the health, the health concerns here, because uh, as you may have heard, the Mets have had some issues over the number of years here. So I know that hydration testing is going to be something that the Mets are going to adopt this year. Uh, any other specific techniques that you guys might bring on to try to keep these guys on the field? You know, we're going to do a lot of different things. And I think that we're going to think outside the box. We're going to do research on things that are going to help. Um, Dave Island's going to bring stuff from Kansas City. We've got a couple of uh, staff members that came from Boston that uh, is going to give us some good insight on how to get players ready. Um, I am going to bring some things from the Cleveland Indians. We're going to research everything we can. We're we're hiring some new training staff that are going to be very essential in uh, implementing these things that we're going to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about 
getting guys ready, you know, testing them for, for hydration is just part of that. And it's something that needs to be done so we know that uh, they're hydrated. Uh, so we're, we're going to do our due diligence on everything we possibly can. We're going to make sure that the players understand why. And uh, we're going to make sure that everybody's healthy as they can be. Let, let's talk about the back end of the bullpen. Uh, I know you said you kind of want to use a committee or really it's really a situational approach to closing out games. Um, let me ask you about that. We've seen this become in vogue in the last few years. Obviously, you know, your old manager, Terry Francona, used Andrew Miller in any uh, inning. He felt where the game hung in the balance. I'm wondering, do you think that approach plays better in the postseason where it's a sprint to the finish, where it's like I get first team to 11 wins and, and I've just got to go get my wins? Or um, can you effectively de deploy that strategy over the course of a 162-game season where sometimes you do need to sacrifice Tuesday night's game in order to win a big game on Thursday? Yeah, you know what? I think that uh, you can be very, very aggressive with with it in the postseason. And and if you've seen the last couple postseason, even the teams that are very aggressive doing it, if you get to a Game 7 in the World Series – Guys are tired. Yep. <laughs> you know, it wears guys out. Yep. Uh, you know, I think we saw that the last couple years. You know, I think Houston uh, had the luxury of having a couple starters that could go in there and throw like four innings in relief and help them out with that. But, uh, you know, it's it's tough to do for a full season. In 162 games, it's a long season. What we will do is we will have guys available if they're available. If they're not available, we're not going to push them uh, to be available. You know, guys are going to know when they're available and when they're not, and uh, they're going to use those valuable rest days to recover mentally and physically so they can be ready to go the next night. And that's why it's important to have a very deep bullpen. So you have, you know, at least three guys available every night if one's down to go in there, pitch the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and get you through a ball game. And, uh, you know, we're going to make sure that uh, – guys face the hitters that they're supposed to be facing. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of foolish to um, just assign an inning to somebody. And then all of a sudden you got three lefties up and you're pitching a right-hander that doesn't match up very good against those uh, three lefties that are coming up. And you got Jerry Blevins sitting there uh, in their bullpen. So uh, we're going to make sure the guys are facing the right guys. Look, guys like, Familia are going to end up with the most saves because they're one of the better pitchers in your bullpen. It's going to end up working out where he probably has the most saves. But we have to get to that save to begin with. And if it means pitching him in the seventh, so we have a save later on in the game, we'll do it. The good thing about a guy like Familia is he can go multiple innings. So you might see him come in you know, in the middle of the eighth and go back out and save the game in the ninth. So uh, we, we have a lot of flexibility. We have four really good back end of the bullpen guys, and then you mix in all those other guys that we're going to have, the optionable relievers. We're going to even have the luxury of probably putting one of our starters in the bullpen to help us out because we have such great depth in our starting rotation. And uh, that will help as well. So I'm really excited about the way we're going. And uh, 
first and foremost, you have to have guys that are willing to go out there and pitch any inning, let check their ego at the door and do whatever it takes to win. And that was why Andrew Miller was so successful. And if you if you see it, guys are starting to get paid no matter what inning they yep, pitch. So that's absolutely uh, true. they're going to accept it a little bit more. <laughs> yep. So that helps that helps out a lot. But uh, you know what? Uh, I'm excited about who we have in our bullpen, and it's going to be a very effective one if we use them the right way. So more about the pen. The one move that the Mets did make was signing Anthony Swarzak. Uh, I know you ha- you and him had a short time together in Cle- Cleveland. Can you? Uh, what can we expect out of him this year? You, you can expect a guy that wants the ball. I mean, this guy wants to pitch every single day. He's aggressive, almost too aggressive. I mean, he was throwing 90-something innings in, in Minnesota before we got him in Cleveland and, out of the pen, which is, which is unbelievable. And he was almost throwing too many strikes. I remember having to tell him, like, hey, man, you don't always have to just challenge a guy. I mean, this guy is fearless. He goes after hitters. His stuff is great. It's getting better every year. He's learned a lot in his career. He's been through a lot. So nothing's going to you know, make him nervous. He's going to go out there, attack hitters like he's got nothing to lose. And it's going to be fun to watch a guy that goes out there and does that. So we're going to try to go. We actually asked fans to call in with some voicemails, and uh, we got one here. I, I tested it earlier, and it worked, so I'm hoping it works now. Hopefully you can hear it, but uh, let's give this a crack. Hey, Mickey, this is Troy from Jersey. I was wondering if things don't go well with Harvey over the first half of the season, if you're going to be willing to work with him to come out of the out of the pen as a reliever and reinvent his career, kind of like Isringhausen did. Thank you, guys. Let's go Mets. Did you hear that? I'm not hearing anything. <laughs> okay, so, so, <laughs> yeah. so Troy wanted to know, um, are, would you experiment with the idea of if Matt Harvey can't if – if he struggles as a starter, would you entertain the idea of converting him to a, a reliever in the bullpen? You know, I think that uh, no matter who the pitcher is, you want to set them up for success. You know, like we said before, and and I've said this over and over, we're going to make sure that guys face who they should face and put them in situations where they can succeed. So, uh, you know, not just Matt Harvey, but anybody. You know, if, if that's the case, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we have the best team we possibly can. Okay, talk to me about curveball utilization. Um the Indians led the league in curveballs thrown while you were there, um, and you were the pitching coach. Why the focus on the curve? Is it something about how hitters have – obviously, hitters have changed their swing. They're, they're trying to lift everything now. It's all about putting the ball in the air and, and all that. Um, is it because hitters changed their swing, and now they're trying to get more lifts so the curve throws them off? Or – is it just the strength of the personnel of the pitching staff? That, I mean, Corey Kluber has a pretty decent curveball. Yeah. So, you know, so um, is it just a personnel thing? Um, it, it's a little bit of both. Okay. I think that uh, we identified what uh, hitters were trying to do, and they did make a conscious effort of trying to get underneath the ball and, and you know use that launch an- angle to their advantage a little bit. So we threw more high fastballs and curveballs than we would have otherwise. I think that uh, that shift – uh, made a little uh, uh, more sense to throw more curveballs. And second, we had uh, five guys that had really good curveballs, and it was probably their, their second best pitch behind their fastball, and we used it. And I think if you look at uh, you know analytical numbers and, and dig real deep, 
breaking balls are hard to hit, whether it's a slide or a changeup, a split finger, whatever. Those are traditionally harder to hit than a fastball. So uh, we wanted guys to use their best off-speed pitches as much as possible. There's a lot of uh, you know information out there nowadays that a, a curveball thrown the right way uh, is actually a healthier pitch than uh, you know a 95 mile per hour fastball as far as longevity goes in your career, and uh, that helped. Uh, you know, kind of sell what we were trying to to do. Uh, so guys bought into it a lot. They threw a lot of curveballs. I think you saw Lance McCullers throw some ridiculous number of curveballs in a row uh, during the the World Series. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you throw your best pitch to get the hitter out. And if it makes sense, you keep on throwing it until they make an adjustment. And and if you don't do that, then you're probably not uh, throwing them the right pitch. So uh, the the pitchers in Cleveland did a real good job of that. Um, I think there's a there's a place for it uh, in baseball. The Mets pitchers have really good breaking balls as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if they don't throw a few more breaking balls this year uh, as a result, just because it makes more sense. Orange Blue Thing Season 2, talking live with Mickey Calloway. Uh, we're not going to get involved in the payroll and moves like that because we know your job is to manage the team as it's constructed from the front office. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the roster as it's currently constructed, though. A lot of platoon <laughs> combinations possible, first base, Dom Smith and Wilmer Flores. Uh, once Conforto returns, then you got center field with uh, Nimmo and Ligaris. How do you envision these playing out? Are you going to play the hot hand, a lefty-righty split? What's the plan? You know, I think that uh, I have to get familiar with these guys in spring training. Obviously, a platoon advantage is always a pretty good idea. Um, you know, hot-handedness is something that uh, probably is just an illusion, and it's such a small sample size that uh, it might not make much sense uh, to do because, you know, a guy's going to get cold at some point and you want to keep them as hot as possible. And the way to do that is to make sure that they are going out there against guys they can get hits off of. You know, you don't want to take uh, a good, you know, uh, say Flores, for example, and uh, play him against a Corey Kluber who's going to come in and spin him three breaking balls who strikes out, uh, you know, the world and put him in a slump when he's going good. So we have to make uh, intelligent decisions on when guys play and use those platoon advantages uh, to the max every time. I could hug you for that answer. Um, <laughs> how, how important? Uh, how important is defense? Uh, it feels like I, I know. I don't know how familiar you've gotten with um, with the last year's performance, but defense hasn't been a big area of focus. Even when this team went to the World Series, you, you know, UNS Cespedes was playing out of position in center field. Um, considering the way the game is played now, and uh, and the impact defense can have on a pitching staff. How much consideration are you going to give to a player's defense when you're filling out that lineup card? It's going to have a lot of uh, consideration uh, to it. I think that it's uh, essential to be able to pitch and play defense. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've seen it work. You know, I'm a pitching guy, so obviously uh, defense has always been important to me. But uh, you're going to have to have played, you know, be able to go out there and play really good defense. And uh, defense is not just uh, a guy going out during the game and doing the best he can. It's preparing and having some pregame uh, routine that allows him to be the best he can be, you know, when he's out there on defense. So uh, guys are going to have good pregame routines. They're going to go out there, work on their craft. Defense is going to be very important to us in spring training before the game so everybody can play play as good a defense as they possibly can when they're out there on the field. <clears throat> All right, so we do have another uh, question here. 
a voicemail question. I'm hoping that it works yeah. because before it did. If not, so. we'll rehash it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's get going. Hi, guys, including Mickey. This is Chris from Long Island. Uh, quick question. What do you think someone would have to do in spring training to impress you enough to take somebody's spot on the roster? Uh, just trying to make sure that everybody makes a team that's supposed to. What do you think, Mick? So did you hear that? Nope, nope. Question, <laughs> question was, uh, what does somebody have to do to, uh, to knock your socks off in spring training? So is basically our positions a given, or can somebody come in completely out of nowhere and win a spot? Oh, that's a great question. I think that's uh, something uh, that happens every spring training. There's going to be someone uh, that no one's ever heard of, and he's going to hit nine home runs in spring yeah. training. And it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, this guy deserves a spot. I think you can't ever um, forget what guys have done in the past. And, uh, you know, I am obviously want guys to have success in spring training, but I want guys to improve on the things they need to improve on. And that's what we're going to be – paying more attention to you know is this guy doing what it takes to get on base you know spring training can be a little bit of a different animal you know this guy that has a, such a great spring training might for some reason you know be playing in the sixth and seventh inning you know early in spring training against uh, a ball pitchers yep. that are they're pitching and uh you know kind of reaping the, the benefits of that so we're going to have goals for each player in spring training and see how they get better at those goals, whether, Hey, this guy needs to cut down on his swing and miss and chasing the ball. How's he doing at that? That's what's going to matter to us. And I want guys that work, you know, I'm going to pay attention to their routines, the way they're going about their business on a daily basis. And if you get those type guys with grit that have work ethic and are doing the right things on a daily basis, then you know that when the season is over, they're going to have done everything they possibly can and their numbers are going to be better than everybody else's so uh that's what we're looking for so even if this doesn't work we're going to try it again because i'm pretty sure the okay. the fans at home can hear it if not we'll reiterate to you yeah this perfect. is a pretty good one here hey guys dan in chicago really cool that you could have the new mets manager on and excited that we can hear from him uh on the show for the fans by the fans and what i want to know as a fan is uh mickey what were some of your experiences growing up that that really caught the love of baseball for you was it Going for game, going to games, eating hot dogs, playing ball—you know—some of those things that us fans can really understand. I'm really interested to hear, and excited to have you on board for 2018. Let's go, Mets! So, Dan, from one, your reaction, yeah. I'm pretty sure you didn't hear no, that. No, yeah. Didn't. So, Dan <laughs> wants to know uh, what made you fall in love with the game. Did you have some moments that uh, that kind of made you fall in love with baseball growing up? Well, my dad named me after Mickey Mantle, so uh, I guess I had to like baseball. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, I just love baseball from the get-go. The first time, uh, you know, I picked up anything, I threw it. First time I picked up any kind of bat, you know, I swung it. Um, I just always loved the game, and I and I played it from a very young age, and uh, you know, had a little bit of talent at it. So uh, it, it came, uh, it was fun for me. And came easy for me when I was little. Now, when you get to the big leagues, nothing's easy. So I was terrible. But, uh, you know, I always loved the game. I had a passion for it from the get-go. And I'm always going to stay in this game because it's, it's the best game in the world. We're going to let the uh, fans get to know a little bit more of you, the person. And we have a couple of uh, quick uh, questions for you on that before you let you get out of here. So 2002, you were with the Angels. I'm, I'm they got you a World Series ring, right? I'm sure you have yes, one. Yes, they did. All right. <laughs> so, weirdest place you've ever worn that one. What's the strangest place you've ever broke that out? 
Um, you know what? I have it stays in the bank most of the time. Yeah. The safety deposit box. Um, the weirdest place. I, I did wear it uh, to a golf uh, outing one time with with some of my buddies just because they wanted to see it. So I'm sure that uh, maybe whoever checked me in was like, "Look at this this guy wearing the World <laughs> Series ring," you know, to a golf. You don't can't wear that. Is that like golf. is that a faux pas among like players? Like you're not supposed to wear it, or you're supposed to like no sell it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you don't really wear those things, you know. It's it's cool to have maybe in your trophy room, but uh, you know, maybe if you're going to a, a dinner that uh, is sponsored by that team, uh, maybe it'd be appropriate to wear. But you know, there's going to become a time where I'm old enough where I don't care what anybody thinks, and I'm going to have that thing on my finger because uh, I just want to see it. Hell yeah! yeah. Except, <laughs> except that one's going to be from the Mets, right? Exactly. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. There's another voicemail we didn't get to. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fire it right out to you. A guy named Rallyman asked a question. You you actually claim that you were going to sit down and have a marathon and watch all 162 games from 2017. Have you started it? If you did start it, how far did you get, and did you learn anything from it? Yeah, I've learned a ton. You know, I've been uh, – the good thing about video nowadays, they can cut everything down. You can watch a, an inning in about uh, 35 seconds. You know, I, I paid attention to the pitchers, really trying to make sure I honed in on uh, the things that uh, Dave Island and I might want to discuss at some point. Um, really paid attention to how guys played. Um, did they run balls out down the line? You know, that's the kind of stuff I was looking for. How, how did they play on defense? How were their, uh, you know, pre-pitch routines, those type things? Uh, you know, I, I, you learn a lot by watching a baseball game. And uh, it looks like we have a really talented, fun, young team. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing all those guys in spring training and, and getting to see them live for the first time. All right, so uh, back to the rapid-fire ones. Uh, favorite and maybe embarrassing or guilty pleasure song? Like, you have a favorite song that you could just belt out when you're driving, but if you were with someone, you may not have actually sung. Oh, man, I have so many of those. I mean, I, I think growing up, I liked Tiffany, you know, the, the <laughs> redheaded singer, so I'd always sing her stuff. I, I, I kind of, you know, I think on my... Uh, my phone when I'm working out, uh, Taylor Swift song might be on there. Mean, I think is on there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have some guilty. I've always liked, uh, the, the, the sounds of a woman's voice, uh, when they're singing. So, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't play those for anybody, you know, uh, probably stick to more Led Zeppelin with somebody in the car. There you go. Uh, so, uh, everything kind of leaks out into the media, the, into the social media these days, especially how locked in the beat guys are. So maybe some funny things that happened in the clubhouse back Back in the day that you don't mind sharing with us on the air anything funny oh funny things in the clubhouse I, that you can talk about funny if i can talk about <laughs> it here. so uh no they're tough i think that uh you know just just watching guys you know play pranks on on everybody during the season is always a fun thing um one of the things i always enjoy is 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 Terry Francona uh, kind of making fun of Brad Mills uh, in the dugout or whatever. Uh, you know, the, probably the funniest thing uh, that I can say uh, is we always had uh, our sideline reporter, Andre Knott, would uh, come down and Terry Francona and I would be in the dugout about an hour before the game. And he'd come down with this coffee and uh, Tito would take his gum out and go and slide it into his coffee while uh, Andre Knott was on air, and Andre <laughs> wouldn't realize it until that last sip, and he'd look down there, and, and Tito's chew, and gum would be in the bottom of it. So uh, oh. that, that, was, that was always pretty fun. At least it was gum, <laughs> and it wasn't. Yeah. 
At least it was gum and it wasn't dip or anything like that. That's good. It had a little uh, chewing tobacco mixed. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Poor Andre. Uh, all right. You wore 36 in your last stop in the majors uh, for the Rangers. That's what you're going to wear in Queens. Um, why 36? Well, when I was a player, I didn't have a choice. They just gave it to me because right. I, uh, you know, probably wasn't the best player on the team. But, uh, you know, I, I got 36 here because, uh, you know, all the numbers that uh, I would have chosen otherwise uh, were taken by players. And I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, I didn't take one of their numbers. There's no reason for a manager to have the number they want. I'm not going out there and performing. You know, I'm just just hoping those guys perform well. So uh, it doesn't matter what my number is as long as the players uh, get the one they want. So uh, I was hoping to do this in person, but I heard you on one of the, the local morning shows, WOR Affiliates, and uh, one of the girls in the studio said, hey, do you, do you know about the seven line? And she was trying to educate you a little bit, but um, Brian and I were going to try to reenact that photo of you holding up your Callaway 36. We wear jerseys <laughs> to each game, and um, I had an extra from 2017, so since that's the year you came here, had this made up for you. I'll put it in the mail and drop it off for, uh, for you at a city field. I don't know what you'll do with it. Maybe you'll throw it in a corner. Maybe you'll put it up on your wall or uh, whatever, but just wanted you to have this. Welcome to New York from uh, the Sunline Army. So, well, well, I appreciate it, guys. We're looking Thanks. forward to it, Mickey. Congratulations on the job. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, braving the weather and everything. We, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And that first yeah, run I get to risk my life going back to the hotel. I know. I, know. So I wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of this. We appreciate uh, all your guys' support and uh, the way that uh, you guys marched down the street in San Diego and they had to stop traffic was awesome. <laughs> so we'll keep that up and make sure that happens in St. Louis. Thanks, awesome. Mickey. First run buckets on me down in Florida, dude. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Mickey Calloway, everyone. I mean, that was fantastic. Just just a, 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 so much optimism, so much energy. I mean, I talked about this when he, uh, when he had his introductory press conference, and I said, I, I, right? like I run through a brick wall. I want to run through a wall for this guy. Like, if I played for him, I'd be pumped to play for him. If I was in that clubhouse or I was, you know, working out, if I was Noah Syndergaard, who's, you know, getting ready or whoever. And he's been be working pumped. out a lot. Yes, he has. He has been. He's putting up a lot yeah. of workout videos, so which I like to see. Hopefully he's not overdoing it, but yeah, I like to see that. Um, yeah, and what it, not to backtrack to the snow apocalypse or whatever the hell we got going on outside. Uh, what did you say this morning when I texted you? Like, uh, words of motivation? Yeah, well, okay. I was we'll trying to make sure that. you didn't but, back out. Yes, yes. But I fortunately, I didn't back out because that was a great interview. So before we wrap, thank Absolutely. you. Thank, thank you, you Mickey. Thank you to the thank Mets. Thank you, Mickey Calloway. Um, you said, and I'm going to read this verbatim, <laughs> okay? And this is a true story. So True I, story. True story. So I was like, hey, man, I'm still planning on coming tonight, but I'm not going to lie. I'm growing a little concerned. I was nervous there. And he's, I know you were. So you said, it'll be over by then, and you have a great vehicle. You'll be fine. I'm going to head over in about an hour. What are you concerned about besides it taking normal, <laughs> normal and longer to get there? I'm like, snow's going to linger a little longer than expected. Hopefully it just clears out. And here we go. You got a monster truck, dude. Eye of the Tiger. Biggest guess yet. And the snow is even more incentive to have the most eyeballs on us tonight. I said, I know. And then you said, nothing to be concerned about. Let's kill it. Huge for us. Fuck the show. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that rivals the win one for the Gipper in, in, in terms of inspirational speeches. Uh, and it was a good interview. I'm glad you came. We might not be able you to knew, get out, though. You knew I was coming. We'll be fine. Well, you might we'll have to call fine. some backups. We'll be fine. So, uh, Want to play What's in the Box? Oh, shit. Ah, what's, that's okay. I didn't ask any of the Facebook comments. That's okay. We, I'm sorry, we guys. Had, we had plenty of time there. But let's play What's in the Box. But we have to get a caller first. So, yeah. So, first play. person to call, 631 Eight five one nine five will be in the. We'll be able to play what's in the box with us. If you want to get this bottle opener, which isn't even on the site yet, 
We'll mail it to you. Uh, share the show right now, and we will pick somebody out at the end of the show to win this for free. Thank you for watching, by the way. All right, you can play that. Okay. Is this this is our game show song? Yeah, we got a new song. Uh... There we go. Ooh, I like this. This is very nice. This is <laughs> all right. Uh, I think we have. Uh... <laughs> Hold on. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we have uh, someone on the line. What's All your right, name? Uh, and uh, we have, uh, what's up, buddy? Hold on. I don't think we can hear you, bud. Hold on. All right. So, who's? What's your name? Where are you calling? My name's Brew. Oh. <laughs> Which Brew? Oh, it's just it's just it's Mendez, isn't it? New York Brew. New York Brew. All right, Brew. You want to play What's in the Box? Yes, I do. All right. Well, I'm going to give you three choices. Number A, I mean letter A, B, and C. And turn down your thing in the background so we can't hear that reverb. Got it. All right. So A, B, or C here? No, one, two, or three. Whatever. One, two, or three. Two. Two. Final answer. Okay. Final answer. Final answer. Regis is, is going to be very proud. All right. Let's see what we got. No enemy, no enemy. This is making me uncomfortable. Look at this. The, mist, the uh, Mets dad cap there. Look at that. The custom script there. So, Brew, you can, uh, you can rock this while you're, like, mowing the lawn like the, uh, like the dad you are. <laughs> you might be. You ne- you never know. All right, bro. We know your phone. We know your address. I'll mail this shit out to you tomorrow. Okay, bud. Uh, that was pretty cool. Even though I forgot when I was screwing around with the new board that I didn't put the uh, microphone onto the phone. Whatever that worked. Uh, whatever it worked. All right, so brew the lucky recipient of a brand new hat. Uh, I'm gonna shill a little bit for tomorrow's ticket sale one more time. Before we get out of here or try to get out of here. Otherwise, I got like six beers in the fridge and some, uh, what else is in there? I have a protein bar in my coat. <laughs> like six beers. Some, I think Lizzie's got some cereal here. Okay. So, I mean, it'll hold me over to that the morning. Sounds, that sounds All delicious. right. So, uh, one more time. Tomorrow at noon on Mets.com slash the seven line, 129 bucks. We have 317 tickets available in the Big Apple Reserve for opening day. We do also have an additional 10 tickets in the ADA section behind the seats. So if you need those seats, you can pick them up. There's a button or a link next to the option to pick up the uh, tickets. You can click that, and it'll take you to the, uh, to the different page for that. It comes with this 2018 home Jersey. It comes with every single game now this year, small through 4XL. So you definitely, you can't choose, you can't change your size after you decide. So definitely make sure, triple check what size you need. There'll be a menu there where you can fill out how many tickets you need, how many shirts you need. There's a four person, four seat max for this transaction. So noon tomorrow, Mets.com slash the Settle Line Army, 129 bucks for a seat out there in the Big Apple Reserve. Comes with the jersey, and of course, we will be tailgating prior because uh, we always 
go big on opening day, and this is no exception. Congratulations to Andy Postin. Uh, He's the QBC winner. Awesome. uh, So, Andy, I'm going to hit you up on Facebook. And he wrote QBC on there? Uh, He did. So, so Andy, we're going to get you a ticket to QBC. Uh, Remember, if you guys still want to get out to QBC, tickets are limited. They are almost sold out. Um, So go to queensbaseballconvention.com. That'll take you right to the Eventbrite site where you can purchase tickets. Uh, Tickets include some combination of an autograph. You can get an express lane pass, I think. I don't know if those are sold out yet or not. Uh, Keith is probably going to yell at me. No, they're sold out. Okay, so they're not. But, you know, go and get that. You can get autographs from Todd Hundley, Chris Flexen, Brandon Nimmo. They'll be there. Come watch panels all day. Hang out with fellow Mets fans. queensbaseballconvention.com. During that crazy music, I was looking at the comments, and my wife said she felt like she was on drugs. Oh, boy. Happy. <laughs> All right. So we are going to get to the share contest. It is for this brand-new bottle opener. It hasn't, come, it hasn't been put up on the site yet. Um, 2018, the seven-line Army bottle opener. Brian's going to scroll through and uh, see who the lucky winner is. The bottom here is the New York City Mets flag that we uh, came out with about a month ago. I think it was on Black Friday, actually. So this will be yours for free if you share the show. Let me just get this. Uh, keep talking for a second. Let me okay, just get I'll keep talking for a second. I'm excited to have a brewski when I get home. I didn't pack yet, of course, for the cruise on Saturday. Uh, you didn't pack at all? No. What do I got to bring? Three. We've gone through this Three before, T-shirts, actually. flip-flops, and some shorts. Three T-shirts? Whatever. I mean, it's a four-day cruise. I'll wear like a tank top one day. Kelly's got some like custom Mickey crap that we gotta wear. Custom Mickey crap, not crap stuff. Stuff. Uh, you know the 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 baby's excited. The baby, the baby is excited. We're, you we're should try- be excited too. I'm kind of excited, but we've been threatening her lately when she's bad. We're like Mickey's boat, you better not. That's right. You better not be bad because Mickey's watching. That's we're gonna, right. We, pret- we pretend Mickey's calling. Like, listen, Mickey says you can't throw your food on the floor or you can't go on the cruise. Yeah. So, who wins? Who wins? Hold on, just tell me when to stop. Uh, stop. All right. Uh, Anselm Smith. Uh, so Anselm Smith. Just is click the that, and we'll here. send them a message. Yeah, we'll send. All right, guys. So we actually are going to be off next week because I'm going to be somewhere. I don't even know where the cruise is stopping. Actually, I probably should find that out. We're leaving from Miami. I don't know where we're stopping, though. Uh, we're going to be off next Thursday. We'll be back the Thursday after on the 18th. We don't have a guest lined up yet, but I'll work on that. Um, so thank you guys. Tomorrow, opening day tickets, noon, Mets.com slash the seven line army. Uh, also, D.C. is locked in. We are definitely going to D.C. Uh, let me pull that up here. Before I got you guys off, uh, Saturday, April seventh, Nationals Park, seventy-seven bucks, same exact price, same exact seats as last year. That includes a fifteen-dollar concession credit from the Nationals, so your beers and food and all that stuff is basically taken care of. And you know, you could probably drink any more than that, but the first fifteen dollars will be included in the price of the ticket. It includes the event T-shirt. We are going to do a patch again for two thousand eighteen. And uh, an optional bus ride from City Field, which isn't up yet. But these tickets are going to go up on Friday, the 19th at noon on our site, thesubline.com. Click the website and read all about it. And uh, that's pretty much it. Anything else you want to say, buddy? That's it. Let's get out of here, man. We want to give our thanks once again to the New York Mets uh, for setting that all up. For Mickey Calloway, for delaying his flight and braving the elements to uh, get out to City Field so he could Skype with us. That was awesome. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This was, this was great. So We didn't cheers. Yeah, we did not. But to a successful show, uh, next week we are off. Sorry. 
Next week, we are off. Come back here on January 18th, uh, and we will see you then. Later. Later.